Just in case our name Clit Talk wasn't a disclaimer enough, we wanted to let you know that this podcast is intended for a mature audience only. So if you have any little ones in the room, now is the time to maybe put some earmuffs on or escort them out. Pussy, pussy, it's gonna be a good one today. I'm talking about a clit talk, clit talk, clit talk, talking about a clit talk, clit talk, clit talk. Come on, girls and boys and everyone on the gender rainbow, bring your pussies to the show. All right. We're live on air. Um... So to everyone out there, we have a very special episode today of Clit Talk. Today, we're doing Cock Talk. We have some very special guests in the house that we're going to introduce to you right now. And uh, live from the, as uh, Austin was calling it, the cockpit today. <laughs> Hi, I'm Ethan. I'm 32 years old. I'm married. I'm a music producer. And I also mix this podcast. And who are you married to? I'm married to Katie. <laughs> I'm Austin a.k.a. Silver Fox. I'm 39, CEO of an energy company, former professional pilot from Washington State, and I'm just recently married to one of the members of Clit Talk, uh, Sugar. Hey, what's up? My name is Matt. I am a, uh, I'm the boyfriend of Lindsay on Clit Talk. I'm a father of three, former Marine, a real estate developer, and uh, from Maui, Hawaii, and half Japanese. Hi, I'm Peter, single, straight, 29, aerospace engineer son of immigrants, curious explorer of life, love, communication, and what's important. Hi, I'm Jorge. I'm a 40-year-old single gay man in L.A., and I represent artists, and I'm a new, uh, newly stand-up comic. Hi, my name is Rico. I am a 32-year-old from Colombia. I am recently in a relationship and I have a nine-year-old daughter. And then we have two of our clit co-hosts in the house. I'm Lindsay. I am an East Coast girl, professional singer, and a stepmom. And we also have... Hi, I'm Tammy Go. I'm 50 years old. I have two grown daughters. I was married for 24 years. I'm half Japanese and now I'm single. Perfect. And so before we, we have some questions and juicy conversation that I can't wait to get into with all of you. But before we do that, I did want to give Jorge just a moment. He has an extraordinary podcast that I wanted you to just make sure that you share and give everyone the information so that they can. He was generous enough to come on our podcast today. And I want to make sure that people are sent over to his. Yes, the podcast is called Outliers TV and you can find it on iTunes. And uh, it's about innovators changing the world. And it's just a really great conversation about uh, technology and the impact that it's having on our times. And and through storytelling, the guests are really telling their stories and, and educating the listener on how they can create new businesses in our modern times. Perfect. That's awesome. It's called Outliers. Excellent. So um, today... We're going to go into a conversation with the men. And as I was saying off air to them, and I'm just going to say it to all of our listeners as well, today is cock talk. And what, what I was really telling all of the guys is that, you know, the commitment behind our podcast is really gender harmony. And how do we empower all of the sexes and everyone on the gender rainbow? So today is really just a safe place. And it's really, it took a lot of courage for them to be here and to be so open and vulnerable. And I just thank you guys so much for being here and being willing to come on a podcast called Clit Talk <laughs> and, and have this conversation with us today. So thank you. And this is going to be really fun. So, um, 
We're going to start off with, and, and whoever wants to speak up and answer this. So the first question is, did your parents ever sit you down and have the sex talk with you when you were growing up? And like, if they did, how did that go? Uh, this is Ethan. Um, I, my dad tried to have the sex talk with me like three years too late. <laughs> um, <laughs> like I, I, I was, I think it was 13 and he said, you know, uh, when you're ready, I will go to Costco and buy you a, a Costco size box of condoms so that you're always protected and all this stuff. And I was like, thanks dad, but I don't need to have this conversation. Like you're, this isn't getting anywhere. <laughs> um, so when you say three years too late, were you, you were already sexually active or no, no, I wasn't sexually active, but like I kind of knew what was going on. I mean, like I think by the time it was a conversation that I was like ready for, I had already learned all that stuff through pop culture and just being around other kids and older kids. I don't I don't even really know where it came from, but by the time I was thirteen, it was like too late to have that conversation, I think, you know, for at least for me. Yeah, my uh my mom was a single mom and this is Matt, by the way. Uh and she sat me down when I was seven years old and like told me everything. <laughs> so I went to like elementary school in the second grade and told everybody else everything. <laughs> and yeah, that was, that was my introduction to, uh, to the world of sex. Yeah. For me, I actually never had that conversation with my parents and they came from the old country where sex was really taboo and like embarrassing to talk to. So I remember going to a sex ed class when I was in middle school and it was an awkward drive home with my mom driving. It's like, hey, son, do you have any questions? <laughs> but uh, I didn't have any other questions and never had any other talk outside of that with either parent from that point on. This is Jorge. I was seven as well. And I'm from Venezuela and we just <laughs> we start everything earlier there. <laughs> I was drinking beer when I was eight. <laughs> But my dad was so sweet because he came up with this whole story of like a seed and, mm. and and the man puts the seed and the I don't even know what that meant. But I did have this best friend growing up and his name was Jupiter, Jupiter. And I remember and telling him like, yeah, you you know, it's the man puts the seed. And he was like, you're a liar. You're always lying. And the next day he looked at me. He's like, you were right. <laughs> that was my combo. I can. This is Austin. I can relate to, to you, Peter. I still haven't had a conversation with my parents. I think they still think I'm a virgin. Uh, um, but I think they they relied on the school uh, mm. to give me that education, and they knew that we were talking about it. And it was stuff that I got in school, but it, it was a little late. I think I was more like 13. Uh, and by that time, I think I was already, I was already chasing girls at that point. Um, but yeah, it's still to this day not something we talk about. I grew up Catholic, and I think it's it's kind of the thing you don't talk about uh at least i grew up in that culture so a no genitals house yeah that's, that's what my dad called it we lived in a no genitals house <laughs> hey this is rico um so i never had the conversation with my parents but i had it with my uncle where he was just kind of tell me more about like girls he had hooked up with when he was younger and just his stories so it was like really entertaining for me just kind of like seeing how he was as younger and you know i kind of like you would kind of dream about the day that i would be you know telling my sexual stories to someone. Um, and then my grandma, all of a sudden, she just assumed I was having sex when I was dating, and she just started bringing me my condoms. And she would go to her doctor, and 
ask for a bunch of condoms. And then when he wouldn't give her enough, he'd see it, she would tell the doctor that, you know, hey, what do you think? My husband doesn't like to have sex. I need more condoms. And then she just provided me with all the condoms she could get. Mm. And it's 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 so perfect. We do have a couple of dads in the room today. And I, I would be curious as to have you had that conversation with your kids yet? And how would you like to, how would you like to, especially, you know, with the daughters, that's, I don't know how you do that. This is mad. I would leave that up to you, Lindsay. <laughs> but uh, yeah, my my oldest is ten, and I'm gonna have the conversation probably in the next few months. Mm. So yeah, he's, you... he's already growing hair in his nuts. So <laughs> he's like, "Daddy, I have hair on my nuts." I'm like, <laughs> "Oh my god!" <laughs> yeah, this okay. this really brings out my curiosity. This topic uh, in terms of me- uh, boys' experiences growing up with sex, because women have you know, very similar ones, mostly that we don't talk about it at all and get it from school. You mm. know? But I'm curious, like Lindsay was saying, even if you don't have kids, what would you really want to say now that you know what you know as grown men, what would you tell your, let's say, 11, 12 or 13 year old mm. self about relationships or sex or, you know, women, any of those topics? This is Jorge. I I would definitely tell the 10-year-old not to ask the cleaning lady <laughs> why it feels tickly when he's like touching the seat because she told me that if I keep doing that, my penis was going to get huge and explode. And it really feared, put the fear in masturbation for that like... That it did. It yeah, did get that yeah, probably she was kind of right, but it just scared me. <laughs> don't, don't ask the cleaning lady. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, I, I guess uh, I would say, hearing in the room, the people who had the conversations earlier, I'm kind of jealous of that because I feel like, again, I said this earlier, but like 13 was too late to have the conversation. If you're like going through these changes, which are huge, there's no like, it, it's too late. You need to start before, before you get there so that, you know, there's time to like really take in that information and then understand that when it comes, when it's, when it's pertinent information, you're ready for it. Not, not getting it in the middle of that. Cause you know, otherwise you get bad information from kids at school or whatever, instead of, you know, the right information from people who have it, you know? Yeah, I got, I got a, this is mad. I got a rude awakening when I was like six years old. I walk into my, uh, babysitter's bedroom late, like late at night and she was like jerking her, uh, boyfriend off. Oh and, like he God. was, he was like coming all over the place and I was like, he, they didn't see me, but I like halfway walked in the room. I was like, uh, I'm going back to bed. <laughs> right, that's why you're that, such a freak. Yeah, it all makes sense. Yeah. I got this big sense. sperm implant oh in my God. head. So yeah, so what what I'm really hearing, and this is great for any parents who may be listening right now. What I hear in all of your sharing is just that if you have a kid, you know, have the strength to have the conversation with them sooner rather than later, and just have full transparency, and that would that would have really made a difference for a lot of you, I hear. Yeah, I mean, some of the I don't know if it's medical statistics, but what we've talked about is that. Children typically around three, four, and five already know that there's pleasure when you just touch it or rub against it. And what we tend to do as a society is we don't talk about masturbation, masturbation to children. And what 
typically happens is we became we become ashamed of it or we feel shame when we do it and that's where it starts you know kind of our lack of understanding that this is all just really natural like eating and sleeping having sex and, and having pleasure from your body is just all natural i guess do you this is matt do you actually like tell your son like okay grab your dick with me and one, two, three, and like show them, <laughs> show them how to actually do it. Like, is that? I, I think, I think that part. I think that part of it, um, they can figure out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and like, but you can kind of tell them like if you just like rub it so many times, and then yeah, you're you're. But you're, that's kind of the then, fun. Then of it, your, your, like your dick blows snot, you know. Yeah. Oh I'm getting a lot out of this. So bad. After so many, you need some lotion. Otherwise, it hurts. <laughs> That's the advice. Yeah. Unless, unless you just do the hold the shaft method, you know. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> this is so good. <laughs> Unconsciously, I don't. I don't know. It had to be unconscious when I was unconsciously when I was in the bathtub and wrapping my legs around the faucet and having that water hit my clit at like four or five years old, it was totally instinctual. Nobody really gave me the details, but I figured it out. Dude, that's an artistic move right there. Thank you. I think so. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I hear it's like, I think they can figure out the mechanics of it, but I think to create an environment for your kids where masturbation isn't shameful. And that it's okay and that it's normal, I think would be such a gift to all the the kids and like, you know, to us when we were growing up, if someone had, you know, my mom asked me if she wanted to buy me a vibrator when I was in sixth grade. That was a little awkward, but I knew that it was okay. She was like, hey, if you want a vibrator, like I'll buy you one. I was like, oh, okay. This is Peter. And my experience is very different because it depends on the parents. My parents were so embarrassed and didn't even know how to talk about this stuff. Mm Maybe that's the reason why they didn't have the sex talk with me because they didn't even know how to bring it up. So very 180 from what you just mentioned, Lindsay, right? I never even saw like a bra or panty. I didn't know how, what the name for it is, is in the foreign language until I saw, you know, one in my own experiences, uh, cause my parents were so embarrassed. So as a parent, you're limited by how your approach to, sex and your comfort level with sex is so it really requires some education on the parents end too yeah it's weird it's like we come in america we come from the puritans right? the mayflower and the puritans in this like really kind of uh, withheld area of sex i think most americans are, are like that repressed. yeah repressed so it's like uh you know it's, it's kind of something we need to break through yeah speaking of repressed I've always felt kind of bad for men and boys growing up because a lot of men are told throughout pretty much their whole life that their emotions are bad and that they have to repress some of the, you know, that shit in a toxic way, you know, repressing all your emotions. And I'm curious as how has that affected your life to not be able to more freely like you know women we we talk all the time we talk about everything and we have a freedom there's no shame in it but for some reason with you know kind of concepts of toxic toxic masculinity these feelings are not talked about especially among men right men don't always share their feelings with their guy friends either so i'm curious well i think this is jorge i think I think as culture evolves, there has been a big movement for, you know, the, the whole term bromance, right? Like men are a lot, a, a lot more 
it's a lot it's a much more conducive culture for men to talk about their feelings at least that's my experience and uh obviously i grew up latin too which you know the you know um boys don't cry it's a, it's such a thing right and it's it, it crosses all cultures but i do think that as culture evolves even with the sex talk i mean there's so much information out there how can you even keep track your kids bound to find out um so i don't even think we have to strategize that much like they'll, they'll be the ones that like is there something you got to tell me so i see it most actually in the workplace and being an aerospace engineer very male uh majority male kind of community and so there's a lot of looking good making sure that you're saving face and there's a real lack of authenticity and vulnerability in the leadership and i can say like i can see as i'm interacting with some of the leadership people in the company that they're like behind a, they're hiding something they're 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 veiling something they don't want people to see the real them and that's slowly starting to change, but I can think of, I mean, the culture 30 years ago, 50 years ago, 100 years ago was totally different, very much more chauvinistic and things like that. I, I hear the stories, and I think you're absolutely right, Jorge. There's an evolution that's happening, but it's it requires slow and steady gain and some uh, some compassion for everybody that's around those people and some courage for people to actually stop up and say, hey, it's this is a safe space. You don't have to be afraid of sharing what you're vulnerable about. So I'm going to turn the topic a little bit, if you don't mind. So right now we notice that uh, pussy is hot right now. The word pussy's in vogue. So I want to know why has this word been one of the most controversial words in the English language? I mean, isn't it because of the grab him by the pussy comment that it's just became more of a word that people are just using now? Um, I'm not saying that that was the right thing to say, but I just think that now to counter that comment, you know, um, women have really embraced, you know, talking about their pussy and their rights and kind of used it to empower themselves. I got to say, um, when when you guys started doing the podcast, um, when I would share with people what you were doing, I had a hard time saying pussy. And I, I noticed it almost immediately that if I was like out at a restaurant or something, I would say, oh, yeah, it's a podcast. It's called Pussy. And I would kind of come down and whisper it. and Or, you know, or it's called Clit Talk. And I'd say that below my breath because it just like didn't feel right to um, – I don't know why. It was some some weird thing there for me about it. But I have no problem saying dick loud. That would be no big yeah. deal. <laughs> yeah. Um, but for some reason – it was really hard. And I noticed when I played my dad the first episode, like in the first five minutes, you guys say pussy about like 300 times. <laughs> <laughs> and um, like immediately, he heard the word once, like the first time you say that word, which is the very first word on the whole podcast, he's out. He's like not paying mm. attention anymore. He's just like embarrassed and red and not listening to what's going on anymore because it just takes him out. And maybe it's just a like a you know, age thing or cultural thing. I don't know, but it's certainly like that was there for me when we started probably not like that extreme, but it was there for me too. Yeah. So I know all of you guys have had an opportunity to listen to the podcast. So I'd love to hear what your experience was like with the word pussy kind of pre and post clit talk. And, um, how, how does it relate to you now? Like using saying the word pussy or clit? 
So I kind of have a question for you. So before, what would you girls be comfortable with the guy talking about your pussy? And so, and if a guy asks you like, oh, you know, you guys are being intimate and he kind of, you know, wants to do something, like what word would you be comfortable with? Pussy, vagina, or what? Yeah, we we actually talked, we talked about that. And for me, there was kind of a pre and post reading of the book because this first the first season is based on a book called Pussy a Reclamation and she actually talks about that in the book how you know pussy is a word that you know if you call a man a pussy that's the the fastest way to snip off his balls but you know she actually unless you just say I am what I eat (laughs) (laughs) yes Um, for me now the before the book the word pussy was kind of like you know, dirty, a little bit naughty, but now I actually feel really empowered by it. And and it's, it's so funny. I keep having this conversation. People are, Oh, clit talk. That's so crazy. But clit is just short for clitoris, which is a part of our body's anatomy when you really think about it. But we got, it's funny. We got shut down on Instagram, like our first Instagram account. Cause it was like raising red flags with the word clit or whatever. So it's really interesting. Yeah. Even before you guys started doing this was, uh, powerful, um, um, uh, res- like a responsible, elegant, uh, like a woman in her power to me was pussy, unless it was in the context of among the guys, and we use pussy differently. Like you know, weak is a different context, but in relation to women, it's more powerful. When I heard the word clit, to me, that's uh, someone who abuses it, doesn't understand what they have, irresponsible, needy. But pussy is like, oh, she knows, she knows what she has. This is Matt. Uh, the word pussy makes me horny, so, you know, I'm cool with it. Uh, this, this, you, you get, wait, you're horny because of a word? That does it for you. Yeah, like, it just arouses something in me, the, the word pussy. And What's up, girl? This is Jorge. And, you know, uh, as a gay man, the the word pussy is... Yeah. Doesn't do it for you. Not that much. <laughs> what what, what I mean, comes I to I mind? Came, I know. I know I came out of one and that's great. <laughs> and, you know, like that saying, I haven't had pussy since I came out from one. Um, but I, it, it's interesting. The, that word is, is such a paradox nowadays, you know, because it's, it, it's been used to obviously as um, describing wi- uh, weakness. Right. But now it's, it's the whole empowering movement with women and whatnot. And, um, you know, it reminds me of that play, The Vagina Monologues, which was all about um, women's power and whatnot. So it is, it's weird. And, and even when I first heard the first episode, I was like, oh my God, this is never going to happen. <laughs> but then I was like, okay, no, I, I get it. And I think um, it, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's the right time to shine the light on, on empowering women, obviously. And, and I think it's great. Yeah, there's this uh, woman cyborg. This is Matt. There's this woman cyborg in MMA, and she's definitely not a. You definitely don't want to call her a pussy. <laughs> she's like a killer. This is Austin. Um, I I love the conversation you guys are in because you're you're looking at what is actually the source of a woman's, uh, I think, power, and and in that. Um, you know, for me, there's attraction. Like when a woman is just confident, she knows who she is and she's authentic. Um, and you can, you can be at the source of what that is. It is, there's nothing more attractive than that. Yeah, I'm, I totally agree with you. Uh, before when I was married, I don't think I ever used the word pussy. 
I don't, I don't know what I called it or what I said. I don't know if we even talked that much during sex. So maybe there wasn't the, you know, nasty, sexy talk too much during sex. Since I've been single, I've probably used it a bunch of times. And I like using it. And I like when someone else uses it. I never bought into this concept that pussy, that word, makes sense when you use it to name somebody to be a coward. Because I had two kids. And let me tell you, there's nothing about that region that is weak at all. It's a really a tremendous organ. And the fact that we have 8,000 nerve endings on our clit, I mean, just for pleasure, that's really the only purpose of it that we really, as women, I would like to see us not only reclaim the word pussy, but reclaim the idea that our bodies are amazing and that we have this opportunity to embrace this great pleasure and that when we embrace the pleasure, we find our own truth. And by finding our own truth, we can find happiness and and power in all areas of our lives. And I think that's really why we started this podcast Mm -hmm. is to not just say, you know, it's about having sex all the time. It might not be about sex at all, what we're discussing, or it can be, but it's really about women being able to stand up and embrace like a lot of men have. You know, men for for centuries have really kind of embraced and have been, uh, I don't know what the word is, but fascinated and happy about their own pleasure, right? Men like to orgasm and have sex, and they've always kind of embraced that, most men. But I think a lot of women, some of the statistics are that um, only 29% of women come. So that's a really big thing well, for us. It's a lot easier for us. To- <laughs> that's true. Yeah. That's true. Well, Hey, Clitorati! Can you never seem to find enough time for yourself? When you hear the words self-pleasure, are you like, what the fuck does that even mean? We have some exciting news for you. May is International Masturbation Month, and we've decided to do something about the putting everyone and everything before yourself epidemic plaguing our country. Join our entire cast and all your friends for our very first ever 12 Days of Masturbation Challenge, where you will receive daily inspiration from our cast and some of our most fabulous past guests, plus tons of other surprise goodies. Sign up right now at clittalkshow.com and have a radical shift in your self-pleasure. And it, and it's perfect. That's a perfect kind of bridgeway into the next thing that we want to talk Can about. Can comment on something? Yeah, absolutely. So um, one of the things that I actually, going back to something that was asked before that I wish I told myself when I was younger is to also make it about the woman's experience. Mm. Because um, now as an adult, like I really... enjoy sex way more when the girl orgasms first. And like Jorge said, it takes her a longer time. So it's like, okay, like I have to sometimes like hold it. Like, okay, let's switch positions real quick. (laughs) (laughs) Let's do something about this. But but yeah, like to me, like at the end, I know I'm going to orgasm for sure. Right. So in the fact that we both do it makes it a lot, a lot better. Wait, wait, wait. So is it no problem for men that you just know you're going to come every time you have sex? No, no. Depends on how much I had to drink yeah. that night. Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But th- thank you so, thank you so much for saying that. And honestly, if we can just get more men like you, I think the world's going to be a happier place. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, like it, it's not a hundred percent, but you know, I mean, if it's the first time, yeah. But if you're you're going at it like a couple times or something, then at that point, then you know, you could just oh, okay, you you orgasm, then you know what. 
let, let's let's both rest and, and then I'll come later again if you want. <laughs> I, think, I think it comes with age too. Like when you're younger, you come as a man, you come really fast. Like you don't even know what's going on. You'll risk your life to orgasm. <laughs> and, like, and then when you're older, like I'm 40 now and you know, it's just like sometimes I just, I'm just a lot more patient. I think that the testosterone is lower, right? So a lot more patient and I, I can, I can warm them up. Don't have to just go for the finish line, you know? <laughs> Thank God for I'm, that. I'm really, <laughs> I'm really glad, Rico, that you mentioned that. Um, and this kind of goes to the wordplay about pussy and whatever words that we use for any sexual organs. Because my last uh, relationship, she was 20 years older than me. And one of the, the great things about our lovemaking is that she would come very easily when I would suck her nipples. And whenever I would talk about it, you know, wanting to get feedback, wanting to improve, at first I would say, so when your boobs and all this, and she's, and she froze, she didn't like the word boobs. She said, call them breasts. Mm. And for our listeners, Tamiko is, is very, her face is completely <laughs> contorted, completely incredulous as, as a woman could, uh, could, uh, could react this way, but absolutely. And, um, and actually the first, I would say the majority of the time, when I was making love with her, she would come on average between five and 10 times. And there were times that I usually wouldn't come. I actually wouldn't. And so it really does depend on, yeah, you want to be there with your woman. I'm, I'm speaking personally as a man. I want to pleasure her. I want to give her pleasure. It, it means that I'm doing a good job as a man or that's what I'm making it mean for myself. Did she have a big clit? She, I don't even know how to answer that because uh, compared to what? Well, you've had more to than other one. Clits. Yeah, other clits. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Not to your penis. Not I, well, well, I can say she started off with a small one and then it got bigger. Mm. Once I started to, once it started to become accommodated to my size. Did she get a cloner, like a like a clit boner? I don't even know what that is. <laughs> At a girlfriend in high school, she, she'd get a cloner. She'd like her clit would grow like double in size. Yeah. Oh, I've never heard of a clit boner. Is called a cloner. I just I learned something today. Clit toner. That sounds like isotope. That sounds like a glove. That's perfect. I'm so excited to hear all of your thoughts on this. I think that especially in our media recently, it's kind of become crystal clear that we're living in. What Regina, the author of the book, calls a patriarchal world. Um, and patriarchal meaning like kind of a man's world. And you can kind of create the context too a little bit, Tammy. But And it can be very oppressive for both women and men. And I want to know, do you see any impact in your life um, from this patriarchal world culture, how it's had an effect on you, maybe in your work environment or, you know, expressing your sexuality? Like, you know, you can't cry, you want to run a certain way. Um and also, you know, the Me Too movement, anything like that, or just how it impacts you either positively or negatively. Yeah, I think since the whole, you know, Me Too movement situation, everybody's like so scared. And and I even, ca- well, the, imp- you know, smallest impact when I'm sending a text, I'm usually really inappropriate. And now I'm like, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and now I've been called out even by, you know, one of my best friends, my, co- my podcast co-host because i'm always i'm always fucking around and he's like hey i would rather you not like talk about my dick size when there's a chain text going on and i'm like okay <laughs> but I, <laughs> but I a, a normal request i think of anyone <laughs> like, oh you idiot no but uh but i think it's 
it everybody's just kind of tiptoeing a little and 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 finding themselves editing themselves more not and, more how, than and how has that like impacted you like do you do you think that that's stupid or are you kind of just more like aware or what what is it yeah, for you i just can't you know talk about people's dick sizes on tax anymore <laughs> and it's really you know yeah sad yeah, I think, sad I think that uh, like our culture nowadays is a little bit too sensitive like yeah. everybody's so sensitive it's like if you can be offended by like don't take offense to words you know what I mean it's, it's kind of like a freedom of speech thing too like I kind of and you know sorry so the, one thing that happened yesterday and it's it's so interesting like even yesterday I was taking this workout class and the, the trainer he's super great and he gets behind me and he was he grabbed me and he was like he said just pretend there's like a really hot like blonde beast like basically like fucking me and i was like oh that's nice um and then <laughs> then i thought wow man i should tell him kind of just like as an fyi like i love him to death i don't give a shit you can be dirty with me i'm like you know i'm a truck driver but i'm like as a heads up what if he tells that to somebody that will go to hr and then yeah it's complete there's no tolerance right now so people should just i feel they should be aware I, I, I feel like uh, like what you said about people being offended, like in our culture right now, there's this thing that like people think that if they're offended, they're right. Yeah. Like if you're just offended by something, then obviously there's something wrong here. And there's there's two things going on. The first thing is there's a lot of things about the way that we interact with each other that that could be cleaned up, like that we don't need to have those type of interactions. Like I I know I work in an entertainment business like we constantly make sex jokes and references and things that in a like job setting would be completely inappropriate, which is why the Me Too movement's happening. It's like this this industry, especially when you're working on set or something for 16-hour days, after you've made every other joke, there's sex jokes left. Always there's a sex joke you can make. And um, you know, part of that's just who we are as people and sexual beings, I think, but there's definitely room for us to clean up. And I think that as like one of the things out of the Me Too movement, I've seen, I, I think that's one of the things that's missing is there's kind of a compassion missing on both sides. Like for the men to be able to like say like, this is how it's been for a long time and it's fucked up and it's not right and we need to make a change. And we're going to give you some time to adjust right now. There needs to be like a like a moment for, for people, yeah, for the process to, to work and for it to come out in a way that like everybody's comfortable with. So it's not just people are too easily offended and it's not just people are too sexual in the workplace. Like there needs to be a balance and uh, we're finding that point and I think we've gone too far in one direction and it's going to swing back towards the middle and we'll find that balance. And this is sort of, and I think, well, at least in mine, I work in fashion and, and advertising and what's happened. And I don't know how about the other industries, but lots of these, um, a lot of brands now are owned, are owned by corporations and there's boards. And that's why there's just no tolerance because it, it all comes down to dollars. And if these people fear that there's any impact on like the bottom line, whether you're a Vogue magazine, which is, I don't know if you guys know, but like all these photographers are now accused. Like the biggest photographer, like Mario Testino, he's not working with them anymore. Like Bruce Weber, like people, it's like, it's like Steven Spielberg one day saying, you're, you're done. And, you know, Francis Ford Coppola, you're done. So everybody's like, whoa. But it comes down to dollars because Condé Nast is owned by huge corporations now that it, their stock's involved. So that's what's causing and really reinforcing the like what you were saying that kind of like that, that sensitivity that's gone 
Yeah, it hasn't always been like that. This is Peter. And um, the other day I was actually listening to some old Billboard Top 100 hits from decades past. Don't ask me why, but uh, <laughs> but in 1981, there was a song by Sheena Easton called The Morning Train, 9 to 5. And this whole song, she's talking about how she's so happy about her man. Her man takes the 9 to 5 train, works all day, and then when he comes back, you know, she, well, before that, all day I think of him, dreaming of him constantly. I'm crazy mad for him, and he's crazy mad for me. When he steps off that train, amazing, full of fight. Work all day, earns his pay so he can play all night. I mean, and so this was 1981, and this was a top, this was a number one hit. And think, fast forward to now, 2018, and even think of the last 10 years, how many female singers are discussing this type of topic, where they're so happy to be in a relationship, and they love their man, and they want to support him. I can just think of how the movement, how society has shifted. And it's not like it's right or wrong, but we, we have to be familiar with the reason why people are behaving the way that they are right now is because they didn't know any better. And that's the way that life was like. Mm-hmm. And it's so easy for us to forget what life was like. And so we're so quick to judge based on today's standards, yesterday's behaviors. True. That's my generation, Sheena Easton. My baby takes the morning train. He works from nine. Yeah, I love that song. But um, I hear I hear what you're saying. I had an actual harassment lawsuit when I was in my mid twenties against my boss, and this was right around Anita Hill. So as women, we didn't even know what our rights were. We never discussed it at that point at that time. And I I work for a like the Wall Street industry. So, you know, that's kind of notorious for being a little bit uh, macho, right? And so I learned a lot from all these men from New York. I was the only woman and there was like maybe 12 men all from New York started an office here in California. And I learned very quickly to not become offended because what was more important to me is that I'd learn the industry and make make some money. But when I started working at a bank as a trader, not a broker side, so that was more legit, and my boss started saying things that were inappropriate, but what really bothered me is when he would touch. That was really the problem. So I would say for women today that, yeah, we don't want to shut down the fun at the water cooler and just talk about, you know, pop culture and fun things that have to do with sex or pleasure. You know, we have to have those kind of nice conversations among our, our genders. But at the same time, the real issue is when it's a a male that's in a position of power that's when it becomes a problem that he can he can affect your bottom line which is your salary your income how you eat how you feed yourself and i think that's why for so long women didn't talk about it all the stuff that was happening in the workplace and now that we're at this level i think there's a lot of anger And so what happens with that anger is that even the slightest things become offensive, but it's not helping our cause as women. Right. We need to have more conversations, whether it's with HR or with other women or in the workplace to talk about it instead of just start accusing. 
Let's try to figure out a solution together is what I would like to see. I appreciate that. And and as a man, um, it's frustrating because when I'm out dating, I'm out doing my my thing. And my thing is very polite, very lots of manners, doing the appropriate thing. I buy flowers. I open up the doors. I treat her well. But in the background, there's a frustration because of what society, where we are as a society. And I have to bulldoze through this notion, this automatic notion that she has that, oh, he's just a chauvinistic pig, just like everyone else, mm-hmm. just like all of those, those people who are getting busted for sexual abuse and all of that. And it's like, no, that has absolutely nothing to do with me. And then when I treat her well, it's, I've actually experienced this on multiple, with multiple, uh, uh, girls that I've been on dates with. It's almost like this is too good to be true. He just wants to get in my pants. That's, that's why he's treating me this well. When in fact, I'm just doing this because that's, I want, I, I'm so attracted to this person and I want to treat her well. And it's like, it does not compute because society is not saying that this should be possible. It's also, it's also attraction's different, right? Like, it's it's weird, but girls like dicks, you know. So like the, it, it's it's weird. Like I mean, they they they're attracted to dicks, even though like being like the the model is supposed to be this good man and all that. But in order to get women, we kind of have to be dicks to them a little bit. Yeah, in, in like the flirtation, like a like thing. a not a true dick, not a true dick, but kind of a prick. Like mm-hmm. you mean like teasing. Like teasing, I think assertive. Yeah, yeah assertive. assertive. I would say I'm not. I'm not attracted to dicks. I'm attracted to passion and confidence. But when I'm a dick to you, it makes you horny. No, it doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it does. It does. It does. Well, yeah, and I think that's a that's a universal conversation about you know that give and take and you know somebody being too like on top of you and you're like others. Oh, you know it, that. I think that's universal, actually, and it's that's just the oldest story of like the games, right? Mm. Well, I definitely think like what what you're hitting on too for me, like that Aziz Ansari story, really mm. fucked me up, like really in a big way. It was just like I felt like it was wrong for for it to have been published with his name on it, particularly like what the story what it exposed was a very real thing that's wrong with our dating culture, but the fact that Aziz's career had to take a hit for it. I felt like was was not cool. What exactly happened? Yeah, it's, yeah. So so Aziz Ansari went on a date with a girl who came back to his place, and like essentially he just was pressuring her to have sex. And he he's and a he's a fairly well known actor. He's a fellow. So, and yeah. she was she's not right. She was not. She he's was, famous, yeah, she and was, she was like she a normal was a photographer yeah. or something. But he pressured her to have sex, and then. She did, and or she they had in some sort of intercourse, and and afterwards she felt bad about it, and the next day texted him that and he's like, I'm so sorry, I thought that everything that happened was consensual, I thought you were into it, but he had pressured her, and that was sort of the thing, um, and I, there's two sides to that in our culture. It's like men chase girls and women play hard to get, and these are like two sides of the same coin. And like, that's probably not healthy and it's probably not something that we should do, but it is, it's something we've done for ever, probably. I mean, the idea of like chasing and like, you know, even more primitive, like men are hunters. I mean, that concept is not new. Mm -hmm. So it's not like, to me, 
we are evolving as people and as human beings. And for that to go away makes perfect sense. But I, I just felt like there was a minute where, you know, a number of people had, had kind of taken a hit because they were the ones who are being, uh, outed, I guess, as the people doing that. It's almost like we, the pendulum has swung so far the other way. A lot of you feel like the cards are just stacked against you before people even get to know you. They're like, oh, he's a man. He's a dick. Like, And if he's being nice, it's because he has an ulterior motive. Wow. that's That sucks. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know that I would say an ulterior motive necessarily, but like the idea that a guy could talk to a girl and that could be perceived as him being aggressive like that that's a very real one now i'm i've been with my wife now we've been together for almost 10 years so i don't even know what that's like at this point but (laughs) (laughs) but but i do like i can see how you know if you were single now dating it seems like it would be very complicated to know what was acceptable and how much you can you know push someone to like want to date you or talk to you or whatever that conversation might be. It just, and I say push because it's, it's, it's not always like directly uh, like the interest isn't always there at first for both people. You know what? I, I, as someone that's dating right actively, I think uh, there's so much, um, there's so much noise and intel about do this, don't do that. This is what, like at the end of the day, you just kind of follow your what works for you, and whoever digs it is going to dig it, and whoever doesn't is not going to dig it. I'm I'm it. curious though this conversation that um that we're talking that Ethan brought up with this dating mm-hmm. does is this a non issue or in in the gay community? I th- it no it, it kind of um. I actually think there's more freedom because you're both guys. So who cares who asks who out first and type of thing, right? I mean, obviously, you, you, I think it's human nature to, you know, you want kind of hard to get a little. If somebody's immediately like, just, yes, let's hang out every day, you're just like, whoa. And you think there's something wrong with you. <laughs> so, um, whenever they, get, I, they give I up I that dick too that, easy. Huh? Whenever they give up that dick too easy. It's, yeah, yeah. 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 You gotta hold the things a little. <laughs> but I think um, they don't get cloners; they just get boners. <laughs> but I think that you could drive yourself crazy in the dating game because of all the should and should not nowadays more than ever. Because it's just so there's so many books and everybody has an opinion, and you know, so you just got to follow your your integrity about it and 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 trust that. Yeah, everything is a lesson. So maybe you know, maybe you should have not texted like fifty times, yeah. <laughs> and you take that to the next one. But but whoever's supposed to be the one is going to be the one. You know, I think the key is unwanted advances, right? And you just have to be kind of just present in the moment, and know when that is, when it's unwanted, and when it's kind of wanted but unwanted. You know what I mean? Yeah. With this conversation in this book, what we're hoping, what we're learning as women is that as we're more connected to our own pleasure and our own pussy we're able to be a little more clear in our conversations with, you know, partners. Like when it is no, then say no. Say no and put your clothes on. If it's yes, 
then fully say yes and enjoy it and embrace it. And that goes in the workplace as well. If you don't like something, catch it right then to your boss. You know, that that made me just a little bit uncomfortable. Can we not say those particular words or whatever it is? But women have to find our voice. We're part of the problem, right? Yeah. But the reason why we're like that is because we're not connected to our sensuality. We ourselves sometimes have blurred lines, right, while we're in different situations, I think. Yeah, um, what I hear you really saying is that right now um, we're in the the space for women to really speak up and say what they really want, what's really there for them. And at the same time, um, for men, you know, um, don't be an idiot. Stop and listen. It's really li- about listening and speaking up. Um, and it's it, it is frustrating just being a guy and having so many other people abuse their power because they've been in the situation for so long where they can just get away from you know with things. And so I think it's really great that. Um, you know, you guys are bringing this up and talking about it and, and we can really take a look at ourselves. Cause I know based on what's been going on, you know, I've stopped and said, geez, what have I been like? Have I ever done anything like that? I've looked back and I've said, have I ever been in a position of power where I've abused it? So it's given mm-hmm. me an opportunity to look inside and, uh, you know, fortunately I think I've been okay. Um, but I'm a guy and I've pursued women and I've been aggressive too much sometimes. And sometimes I've treated women, you know, in a way that wasn't okay. Um, but at least now I can look at it and say, okay, um, you know, now going forward, I'm not going to be that way anymore. Yeah, and I, I think it's important for women and everyone to understand that, you know, just because you may have been aggressive, like part of it was the culture, right? Like a, a really good guy could have made a mistake, right? And to also to have that, that you know, like you were talking about that buffer, right? Like because you're taking a look at it, right? But we're right in the middle of the transition, Right. So I think, I think a little bit of generosity on both sides, um, would really go a long way around this. Thank you for listening to this special episode of Clit Talk. Tune in next week for Cock Talk Part Two. Did you just love this episode of Clit Talk? Well, shit, then you better head on over to iTunes and subscribe, but only if you want amazing orgasms. Also, while you're over there, please rate us and leave a review. But again, only if we're open to incredible sex and amazing relationships. And if you email us a screenshot of your review to clittalkcontest at gmail.com, you will be automatically entered to win a $100 Amazon gift card. We can't wait to give you some free shit.